Nations. A belief always trumps the truth. Of course, the Honourable had been teaching him how to bluff his way through a tough card game, yet Tuck had learned from more than one bad hand that sometimes everyone else at the table could be convinced to believe the same lie. He shot a hot glance over at Pontieu, enough so to change the man's dirge-like tune. Yes, yes, mademoiselle. That last turn was most elegant, the dancing master managed with smooth grace. The painter was not as well-mannered and continued to grumble, thankfully in French. Here, allow me, Tuck said, taking her into his arms. His arm curved around her waist, his palm coming to rest at her hip, while he caught hold of her hand, letting their palms meet. Then, to his shock, something rare happened. If he was willing to believe in such things, it was as if the stars in her eyes had fallen around them, illuminating something long lost and forgotten. Perhaps it was just the way their hands fit together, like a kiss, lips barely touching, and yet, Tuck stilled. For this wasn't just the sweet, twinkling notes of longing that Pontieu was finding as he warmed up his fingers at the pianoforte, nor was it because he hadn't held a woman in a long time. He'd held this very one the other night at Max, but until now, the memory of that dance had been relegated into a haze of recollections. After all, he'd been a bit squiffy. Oh, damn it, he'd been drunk— Yet suddenly his body remembered, and some other part of him recalled that first time he'd held her. They'd danced. His eyes widened a bit as he remembered. Good God, they had. They had danced, perfectly, elegantly. With Lavinia Tempest back in his arms, he remembered, and as he looked down at the lady, this time sober as a judge, he realized a very fine distinction. At Hallmax, he hadn't doubted her. In fact, he'd been a bit taken aback by his uncle's country miss. So as Monsieur's fingers swiftly found a lively German tune on the pianoforte, Tuck grinned at the lady in his arms and began to dance, because he believed. Lavinia didn't need to speak French to know her dancing lesson was a dismal failure, One look at the poor fellow pressed into service to act as her partner, limping as he was now to the nearest chair, told her the sad truth. She was an utter failure when it came to dancing. That hadn't stopped Mr. Rowland from putting his best foot, literally speaking, forward and praising her attempts. It was kind of him, but she knew a Banbury tale when she heard one. Yet she had to give Mr. Rowland his due for here he was, queuing up for his turn, which he supposed only confirmed his reputation as a foolhardy gambler. Hadn't he witnessed enough carnage over the last half hour? Apparently not, for he nodded to Monsieur to play, and the Frenchman did, striking up a sweeping tune, much to her horror. He expected her to dance to that. Perhaps this was Pontieu's revenge on Mr. Rowland. All Lavinia could do was close her eyes, but not for long. As Roland took her in his arms, she shivered, then panicked a bit, remembering that a proper lady would not find the way he held her, the way his fingers curled around hers, so, so 
Wonderful. Worse, she tried to still her hammering heart by taking a deep breath, only to find her senses teased with a masculine cologne. Bay rum, something a bit smoky, a note of danger that had her lashes fluttering open, and finding Alistair Rowland gazing down at her with a bewildered expression. What? she asked, for certainly she hadn't trod on him, at least not yet. Nothing, he replied after a few moments, glancing over her shoulder at Monsieur Pontieux, as if he'd just remembered something he'd distinctly forgotten. Then he whispered into her ear, Just follow me, Livy, and they began to move. Follow me. Those words lured her, entwined her. She should be outraged that he'd used such gross familiarity with her. Livy, indeed. No one had ever called her that. Why, of all the impertinent scandals...